Well, good morning to you, and glad you could be with us today, and man, what a, what a great day to, to worship together, and you know, we're in the second week of this series, we started last week, we call it People Skills, and just kind of digging into the personality and the character of Jesus, and you know, I know as we follow him, hopefully all of us as we're growing, and we want to become more and more, a little bit more and more like Jesus, uh, but one of the problems I think that we have, you know, as church people, if we just be honest about it as church people we we tend to view jesus through the lens of who we are and what our experience is and so depending on what church you're in or you know what what that looks like might kind of affect the way that you see jesus because truthfully we kind of want to make jesus a little bit more like us i remember growing up in in my church and i was you know i was a church brat and so grew up there and and went all the time and i can remember for like a hundred years we had this picture this painting of jesus hanging in the part of the of the church and just kind of this blonde haired blue-eyed jesus caucasian and i remember thinking well that that must be what jesus looks like right that he kind of looks a little bit like us and it wasn't until years later you know i said well really this middle eastern man probably didn't look a whole lot like us here in North America, but we, we, kind of, we tend to do that. We want us, we kind of make him look a little bit like we do. And when it comes to becoming more like him in the way that we act and react with other people, we, we can't just go through what we are used to and how we are. We've really got to say, who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? And what is he like? And that's what I, the goal of this series is hopefully we'll be able to do that. There's a passage in John chapter 1 that I really like. It describes him in an interesting way. In verse 14, it says that the Word, or Jesus, became flesh, became human, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I've wrestled with that passage a lot. There's a tension there. I don't know if you pick up on it, but... To be full of grace and truth. How can, you, how can you be both? Because honestly, we pretty much lean to one or the other. We're, we're either heavy on grace or we're heavy on truth. Grace is like, you know, love, 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 love. Everybody love and we want to love each other. And, and we want everybody to know that they're known and loved and valued. And that's, that's all wonderful and it's, it's true. And truth is kind of this, like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you're going to wreck your life there. You've got, to get, you've got to get in alignment with the Lord. You know, hey, I see something in you that, that is not, that's not honoring God, and there needs to be some change there, and, and that, that's true as well. But the problem is, again, we, we kind of lean to one or the other, but it says that Jesus was full of both. How can that be? How, how, can, this, how can Jesus have this perfect balance? I think about some of the stories you read in the New Testament. You know, Jesus' first miracle, he's at a wedding, and they're partying late into the night, and it says that the host, they ran out of wine. So, big bummer there. And, and uh, Jesus' mother says, hey, you need to do something about this. And so, he, I, I actually was reading a book this past week that says he, he filled up these big stone jars, you know, with water and changed it to wine, and they said, oh man, this is the great, this is great wine, you know, not just like this little watered-down stuff, but great wine, and it was equal to 908 bottles, is how much he made, 
And I think, okay, there's the guy that everybody likes. You know, he's, he wants the party to keep going here. He doesn't want the guy to be embarrassed. That's okay, Jesus, great, awesome. But then he's also the same guy that turns tables in the temple because he says, hey, don't turn my father's house into this, this den of robbers. And says, hey, you know what? Uh, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up a cross. I think about his interaction with a, with a guy we just told his, his He's called a rich young ruler. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, well, go sell everything that you have and give it all to the poor and then come follow me. That's hard. How can he be both? Now, if you give me just a few minutes, uh, I want to kind of set up. We're going to look at a couple passages of Scripture today. But before we get to those passages, I think it's important that we kind of understand kind of some basic things about relationships and how each of us kind of fall into a, a pattern, if you will. And I've really studied this concept this week. I want to I just share some things that I've learned. I want to share it with you. Um, but Jesus is able to speak this honesty into our lives, this kind of this disruptive honesty. How can he be full of grace and truth, and how could we be more honest like that as well? But to, the, the key to all this is to understand that all of our relationships kind of fall into kind of like a, a grid, I guess you might call it, a matrix or a graph. And, and here's kind of the way this is organized. Is if you go up to the top, as high invitation. You think about, this is a person that's fun, 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 everything's fun. Hey, let's all go out and have a great time. I'm buying, you know, dinner's on me. High invitational is up there, and at the bottom would be low invitation. And then if you go to the other side, it would be, kind of a high challenge this is somebody that's always got a goal hey we've got marks to hit hey have you put have you run your 20 miles this week you know what all that kind of stuff like this person's more you know goal oriented very driven but on the other side would be kind of like this low challenge and jesus is kind of the best of both he's very invitational he's very hey follow me Hey, hey, let's let's go here together. But he's also, he, he's got this challenge, and he's challenging them. If you want to follow me, you know, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Pick up a cross and let's go. And this is so key, high invitation people. If, if they're just all fun, 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 that could be great for a little while, and it kind of makes us, I would call it tickled. You know, it's like, okay, I like this person. Lots of fun. We're having a great time. They're the one that's buying everybody's stuff. But it's kind of like, you know, if anybody's ever tickling you, you know, it's sort of you laugh at first. But after a couple of seconds, you're like, okay, stop, stop it, stop it. I don't want it anymore. can't stand it anymore. That's what I think about when I think of people that are all high invitational. And then you kind of got people on the other end of the spectrum that are high challenge. They can be very motivating. You know, I think about the people that are life coaches or, you know, hey, we've we got these marks to hit or things that we want to do. But after a while, this can get very trying. You know, without, without any of the fun, it's just all work. And, and that's just not really sustainable over the long haul. And you've got low invitation and low challenge people in that last quadrant there. That's just tiring. I, I just think of those people as just kind of like NyQuil when you meet them. You're just like, oh, gosh, I just want to go to sleep, you know. It's just not, it's not fun. It's just like, oh, man, they, they don't ever crack any jokes. They don't ever push you at all. It's just kind of like they just kind of exist. I call them like 
Eeyores, you know, if you think about it, like the tail swinging, like, okay, here. And then you got, but then you got this last quadrant, high invitation, high challenge can lead to great trust. When somebody is able to kind of motivate you in a way where it's, it's fun, and man, you know, the, uh, they can tell a great joke, they can tell a great story, they kind of hook you in, but also like, hey, let's go, let's go somewhere together. And that's kind of the, the goal, hopefully, that all of our relationships would move that way, or at least we would move that way, because those people are great to be around, and, and they may pay for dinner, but they've also got a little bite to them. And this is, this is where, where most of us are. We're, we're either, when it comes to honesty and having hard conversations, we're either honest to a fault, like all challenge, all truth, and, and very little grace, very little you know, invitation, very little fun. Or we're, we're, the other, we're the other way, and we're, we never say any hard stuff. We're all fun, fun, fun. We never speak truth or honesty because, truth be told, we're cowards. And we just, we just don't want anybody to think, oh, they're going to think I'm judgmental. Or somebody will think that I'm, I'm narrow-minded and I don't want to make anybody feel bad. And I think this is true in the church a lot. And when you, when you speak to people that maybe have been burned by a church, a lot of people that have no interest in the Lord, I, I always say 99% of the time it's because they've had a bad church experience. If somebody's turned off, oh, I don't, I don't believe in God, I don't want to go to church, it's because somebody hurt them somewhere. And probably what happened was they got high challenge. Like, hey, straighten up. You know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do all these things, and those things may be true, and yeah, it may be good if it would happen, but it was none of the invitation, it was none of the, hey, you're loved, hey, here's grace, hey, whatever, it's just all challenge, 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 and after a while, that just gets so trying, it's just a, it's a big turnoff. But here's, here's a kind of scenario for you, think about it like this, let's say that you, right now, had terminal cancer. And every day, this disease is ravaging your body, and precious days are just ticking away, where you could have been taking some action, you could have been, you know, pursuing some treatment or something, but you didn't know, you have no idea, but your doctor knows, and he didn't tell you, or she didn't tell you, because, well, that would kind of be inconvenient. Or let's say that your family even knows. But they don't tell you because, well, I don't want them to be upset. You know, I know this will be hard news, and so I'm just, I'm, we're just not going to go there. How would you feel about that? I believe you'd be furious, probably devastated, hurt. You know, why, why did no one tell, why didn't anybody tell me about this? I could have done something about it. And, and, and what if, you know, this is the truth about the personality and the honesty of Jesus. He's a straight shooter. And this is what I love and what I, I hope maybe kind of let this soak in a little bit is that Jesus is going to tell you what you need to hear, how you need to hear it. That's one of the great things about how God interacts with us when we read his word, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to our heart. He's going he's to tell us what we need to hear in the way that we need to hear it. It's, he's full of grace and truth. What would it be like if there was someone in your life that really loves you, and, and you know that they love you, they've got a lot of concern and care for you, 
And this person was willing to speak disruptive honesty and say, hey, you've you got to know that I care about you. But here's, here's something that I, I see in you, and I think maybe you've got a little blind spot there. And, and, and man, how, how could I come alongside you? How could I help you grow beyond this? Or I think we need to you know, make a little change there. If they love you that much to be completely honest with you, it might be a little unnerving, but I think there's a little part of us that just craves that. And, and truth be told, not very many of us have that. I mean, we have to go pay people to do that for us. We go to a therapist, and we, get, and we shell out money for somebody to just be honest, to just tell us the things that we need to hear. What would it be like if we, the body of Christ, if we, as brothers and sisters, if we could do that for one another in a, in a way that was not like crushing and hey i'm judging you or i'm trying to put you down you know I, you know you need to sit up straighten up whatever but if we could do it in a way full of grace and truth because we believe that iron sharpens iron and one person can sharpen another what would that be like and jesus to allow him to have the space to speak into our lives and work on us because this is the truth about all these relationships that i've talked about you know, tickled, trusting, tired, trying, and all the, all the spectrum. When it's all invitation, when it's all happy, clappy, and everybody's having fun, and woo, everything's great, eventually that's just, that's just dull. It's just dullness. After a while, you get tickled for a little bit, you're like, okay, stop, stop. I had somebody, uh, I think about different, different relationships I've had over the years, and I can remember one guy that I, I met with, uh, we would get together every Tuesday, and we'd have lunch, and we'd always talk about hard things in our life, and how can we help one another. I remember one day he, he came in, and he was telling me, he says, hey, man, I've got to be honest about something. He was telling me kind of this way that he, he kind of slipped up and failed in his life a little bit. And I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, okay, man, okay. Well, what's going on? What do you think caused you to go that direction? And I remember him saying, this is, this is why I like to talk to you, because other guys in my life would just say, oh, don't worry about that. I did that last week. What are you worried about? No problem. Ah, you know, you're just a guy. You're just a dude. That's what dudes, that's what we do. He's like, I, I, I don't want that. I want to be challenged. So it, but if it's all invitation all the time, it's, it's kind of dull. When it's all challenge and no invitation in that bottom quadrant there, it's, it's drivenness. I mean, I think about the manager. Maybe you've got somebody at work that's everything's goals and marks and we've got to do this and that and you know but there's no fun there's no joking around it's just hey are you meeting the the goals that you need to be meeting and 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 over over the time it, you know it's very driven but it, it's really it's really difficult and it gets tiring and when it's nothing when it's when it's no invitation no challenge that that's just death man i mean nobody <laughs> nobody wants to be with that person I mean, if you're with that person for five seconds, you're like, oh, they just wear me out. I mean, it just drains. I'm just, oh, gosh, it's just the worst thing in the world. But when you move into that sweet spot, where I, I'm going to argue this is where Jesus is and where he's calling us to be, it's depth. There's something there, uh, and, and, it's, and it's good. I think about uh, friends that I have right now that we can get together, you know, however often and and i'll have guys come over to the house and we'll sit out on the back deck and we're doing what dudes do on the back deck you know we're hanging out and having a nice time we could be laughing and cutting up and telling jokes and joking around talking about sports or whatever just goofy stuff 
And, and it would be nothing for us to, you know, one, one guy to crack a joke about something and then the, in the next breath to ask, so, you know, what's the, what do you think is the, the next step for you growth-wise? You know, where, where are you going? How's, how's everything going in your relationship with God? I mean, it'd be nothing for that. That's real depth. And, and there's something special. When you've had that, you just know it's important. I, I came across this article this past week, and I just love the title. The title was, Jesus was not nice, and neither should you be. Or you shouldn't be either. And this is the quote. It says, no one likes to hear that they're wrong. Not now, and not back then. But Jesus was willing to tell people when they were wrong. Because he loved them more than he cared what they thought of him. And yet he's full of grace and truth. He could speak truth in a way that someone didn't feel belittled. They didn't feel judged. They felt valued. And they were convicted to make a change. You know, there's something about honesty when it comes from a place of love. It really changes you. Think about a couple of different experiences I've had. I've had people in my life that have said some hard things to me. And, uh, and, but when I knew that they loved me, it just hits different. I had a guy at a church a long time ago, different church many years ago. We were in a small place, and uh, they were kind of stuck back in, you know, probably the 1980s or maybe 1970s. And so we were trying to get things, you know, hey, let's get, let's get at least in the, this, this millennia, you know, if we just get in the right kind of time frame. And so we were kind of upgrading music and styles. And, you know, message doesn't change, but the methods do. And so we were kind of making some changes. And, and, and I probably could have done it differently or, or maybe been a little more patient or gentle. But I was, I, I was a young idiot, you know. I mean, that's just the way it was. And so I, I was doing things kind of like, hey, we don't have time to sit around. We got to go, go, go. And I had a guy come into my office one day during the week, and, and he just sat down and he said, hey, I was just wondering, why are you trying to shove all this new stuff down our throat? <laughs> and, you know, I didn't hear a word of what he said after that. You know, and it's just, it's just kind of all challenge, all, hey, you know, what are you doing? Hey, you're stupid, you don't know anything. And, but on the flip side, just a, just a couple of years ago, here, uh, the elders at this church said to me a couple years ago, hey, Brandon, we, we recognize that you're, you're a little tired, and we would like to give you a sabbatical. We want to give you some time away to recharge and rejuvenate and, and all that kind of stuff and, and because we love you and we care about you and we want you around a long, long time. And I knew that that came from a place of love and concern. It wasn't like, hey, we want you out of here. Get out, get, you know, take a few weeks so we can hear somebody else preach for a little while. It wasn't that at all. It was, hey, we're really concerned for you, and we want to we help you. John Glowacki, our worship minister, a lot of you know John. He, he's the guy that probably does this in my life better than anybody else. John will come to about this time of the year, every year. We always have a little conversation where John will say, Hey, uh, hey can I just, uh, just want to let you know, just, just be aware. That's John's favorite words. Just be aware. You start getting a little tired this time of the year, and you know, kind of after Easter, Mother's Day, and you start getting a little short. And uh, I, I know it's because you're just tired. So just just be aware that you're just you're really tired, Brandon. And what can I do to take something off your plate? <laughs> and you know, I, I I need that. I appreciate that. You know, it's somebody that loves and cares for me, and saying, Hey, how can how can I help? How can I help you? Because 
quite honestly, what he's trying to say is, you're being a butthead right now, and I need <laughs> to see some change. And, and hey, I, I love that, you know, I, I know that that's right. It's a good challenge. It comes from a place of concern. I, I, now, I want us to look at two passages of Scripture today. Uh, a couple of interactions. I kind of set the background. Hopefully, you get the kind of the matrix thing of where I'm going. But there's a couple interactions that Jesus had with some people, and it, it's his honesty that makes such a difference in their lives. The first one's in John chapter 4. Jesus had been traveling all day. You know, hot. It's hot. He's thirsty. He sits down at a well in the middle of the day. And there's a woman there, uh, this Samaritan woman sitting at a well. And he asks her, he says, hey, would you give me a drink? And this is what happens. It says in verse 9 that the woman was surprised because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Uh, and more than that, too, men in that day, men wouldn't have talked to a, a, a woman out in public that wasn't their wife. Just... He's kind of breaking a lot of social barriers here. And so she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, well, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Wow, that's high invitation. Oh, hey, I've got, I've got some water. I've got something for you that will change your life. This is all good stuff. And she kind of responds with, what are you talking about? And he says in verse 13, well, anyone who drinks this water is soon going to be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So just in this one story, we see this high invitation. Hey, I've got, I've got something that would be just life-changing for you. Do you, want, do, you want a, do you want some of this? Do you want some, what I have to offer? And you just see kind of that, that part of Jesus like, hey, this is, this is inviting. This is, he's wooing them, you know, people to himself. You know, how would, how would you like this life-changing stuff? Look at what happens next. The same story. In verse 15, she says, well, please, sir, give me some of this water. So I, I don't have to, I, I won't be thirsty again. I won't have to keep coming back here to get water. And Jesus says in the next verse, go get your husband. Now, some of you are already ahead of me because you know this story. You know where he's getting ready to go. She says, oh, go get your husband. Bring him on back. Let's, let's talk. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you, you've had five husbands, and the guy that you're with right now, you're not even married to. You're living with him. So you certainly spoke the truth when you said that. Whew. <laughs> challenge i mean you think you, you hear him say that what this woman why didn't she just walk away right then and there and say okay buddy uh what are you who are you do you have a camera installed in my house like what are you talking about what's going on here it's it's this crazy interaction where jesus is like yeah you've been married you've been in and out of marriages man and and what's up with that what's going on with you it's it's real challenge but it says after this interaction that she left and the scripture says in verse 28 that the woman left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Like, this guy is amazing. It's just so that people came streaming from the village to see him. It says that she left her water jar there. I think she left it there because she was planning on coming back. Because she said, you, you've got to see this guy. 
You have got to meet him. He's amazing. He told me everything. He knows me. He's changed my life. He's so amazing. She didn't feel crushed. She didn't feel like he was you know, pushing her away. Jesus is very invitational. He's very challenging. I just think there's something inside us that wants to be challenged. There's another interaction I want to look at real quick in Luke chapter 10. It says in verse 38, it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now you may know there's a couple of sisters named Martha and Mary, and they had a brother named Lazarus. We see him a little later. Jesus, uh, he, he passed away. Jesus raised him from the dead. But, uh, but, but in this interaction, he's, he's at their house, Martha welcomed him into the home, and her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. He's teaching, he's saying some great things, and she's listening. She is just engrossed in what he is saying. She just wants to hear more from the Lord. And it says, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. <laughs> now, I think that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, knew better than to get involved in a little family squabble like that. <laughs> Two sisters kind of going at it, you know. It's kind of like, I think I'll leave this drama right there. But you get the picture. This is, a, this is a high drama scenario. Mary just wants to hear what he has to say. She's sitting right at his feet and just listening and listening. Martha is so worried about, do we have enough plates? Are we going to have enough to go around? Okay, let's get the cups. Let's get this. Let's silverware. What, what are we doing? I've got, I got a lot of food to cook. A lot of people. There's more people here than I was expecting. How am I going to fix all this food? And she's trying to get everything done, all the little details. And she looks, and there's her sister sitting there, not doing anything. And she's kind of ticked off about that. She said, Lord, why don't you tell, don't you think that my sister, you know, is the moment. He's teaching, right? He's teaching people how to be better. Don't you think it would be good to go ahead and, teach my sister right now there's a good teaching opportunity don't you think she ought to get in here and help me well i wonder how many times as as christians we inadvertently come off that way and jesus this is all challenged martha is saying you know it's challenged don't you think she should do don't you think don't you think and maybe you felt that way before somebody looks at you and says you know you really need to do this you really need to, you, you, you need to stop that. When there's no encouragement at all, it just gets so trying. Look at Jesus' response to her. It's so honest, but it's so gentle. It says, the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, I, I really like that. You hear his tone, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. But there's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. <laughs> Just good. Just honest. I love the loving courage of Jesus to say what everybody is thinking. You know, he, he's saying what everybody knows, but they won't say it. Now, real quick, I, I like to be as practical as possible, and so I, I want to I give you some quick tips that I came across this week. I was listening to other pastors preach on this because this is a tough subject. We talk about 
honesty and how we speak truth to others. So I just want to, if you're taking notes, maybe, or if you want to grab your phone, take a picture of the screen, if that helps. But just a couple of quick points, maybe to help us as we have difficult conversations. Because some of us, truth, truth be told, we've got family members that, you know, we, we need to have an honest conversation with, but we haven't been because it's, it's awkward or we have uh, a friend or, or somebody else in our life. I, I think about it like this. Even, even with, with, you know, attending church, you know, we've, got, we've all got people in our life that it's like, man, I, I know that this person is not where they could be with the Lord and that really is, is burdening me and I want them to experience what I've experienced. And so we just kind of keep inviting you know, hey, come to church, it's going to be great. Come to church, it's going to be fun. There's good music, and oh, yeah, we'll get lunch afterwards. Oh, fun, 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 please come, please come, please come. And, and I've had a lot of people in my life, there was somebody just a few years ago that I kept inviting to church, every, I mean, almost every week. I'd say, you really need to come, it's going to be great, it's going to be so much fun. And they'd never show, they'd never show, they'd always have an excuse. And one week I, I said, hey, listen, I know there's some stuff going on in your life, and I know that you're, you're, kind of, you're broken, and I know that you're hurting, and this would really help you, and I really want you to come because I know how much this could help you. And lo and behold, they, show up, they showed up the next week. It was, a, it was a loving invitation with a challenge, but it had a little bit of a, a, little bit of a point to it. But here's, if we have those conversations, here's just a couple of, couple of things, observations, to help us. Number one, be a, a liberal encourager. Be a liberal encourager. Do we have that point on the screen? There, there's no, yeah. Be a liberal encourager. Now, I know that at least half of you in this room, you don't want to be a liberal anything. Maybe more than half of you in this room for the sound of that laugh. But here's one area that you, you have to be a, be a liberal encourager. It, when, before I have a difficult conversation with anybody, I always try to think to myself, have I encouraged them enough? Have I, have I spoken enough good stuff into their life? Because truth be told, when we, have, when we say hard things, man, those words weigh a thousand pounds. They're going to hear every word of it. So have I encouraged? They always say that it takes seven compliments to overcome one criticism. Be a liberal encourager. The other thing is, is tone awareness. You know, I, I think about the, the things that we do, the important things that we do in our life, the really important things that we do, we practice. We practice because we don't want to screw it up. You know, when you, if, if you're getting ready to have a tough conversation with your kids or with a friend or maybe somebody at work or wherever it is, you know, how, how helpful would it be to just kind of rehearse that conversation a little bit and really practicing how I'm getting ready to say what I'm going to say. Because let me give you a for instance on this. I'll say the exact same words. If, if I went to somebody, and it's, you know, something's kind of gone off the rails a little bit, and I say, hey, um, can you help me understand this? Versus, help me understand this. You sense the difference there? Same exact words, same exact phrase, but tone makes a huge difference. I think that's lost a lot of times when we read Scripture. That's the one thing I, I think if we're not careful, we can lose Jesus' tone. When he's talking to Martha, there's no way that he said, Now, Martha, you got it wrong. 
And I, and I know that because Mary and Martha, Lazarus, they were some of Jesus' best friends. Every time he was in town, he stayed with them. They were some of his dearest friends in the whole world. So I know that his tone had to have been gentle. It had to have been, had to have been careful. And we've we got to watch that as well. Number three, uh, just real practical, is choose a foundational question. You know, before, again, as you're rehearsing, okay, I've got I've to speak some truth. Think about what you're going to say first. Especially, and I try to do this with my kids, and this is one of the ways that, that I'll, I'll do this. When I know I've got I've to say something, I'll say something like, uh, hey, do you know how much I love you? And they say, yeah, okay, okay, good. And then I can lead in. But that foundational question, you know, it's so important. If you're, you're dealing with somebody, hey, you know I care about you, right? You know, hey, you know I'm on your team. Hey, you know I, I want to see, you know, growth, right? I care. Choose that foundational question. And number four, again, really practical. Give the information in three sentences or less. That'd be a suggestion. When you are... When you are speaking some honesty, and you know it's like every word is like a dagger, like, yeah, I know, oh, I know, I, 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 yep, yep, you're right, you're right. Like, we don't, have to, we don't have to go into great detail. Everybody already knows anyway. You know, uh, chances are pretty good that this person you're talking to, they already know, yeah, I know my life's a mess. I know, and uh, hearing it from you, it just hurts so bad. So let's just get it out. Just get it out as quick as possible, and be sure to encourage you know, whenever I look at when Jesus did this with anybody in the Scripture, you see all these teachings of Jesus when he's encouraging and he's, he's telling them this, this great truth, good stuff. It goes on and on and on. I mean, all the words of Jesus. But when he was kind of saying, hey, listen, you got to hear this, it was pretty short and to the point. And so I, that would just be something maybe just to, to try. Give it, give it quickly. And number five, at the end, when you've had the conversation, ask, does this make sense? Does that make sense? Because I, I'm, I'm communicating to you, hey, I'm, I'm still a learner here. I'm not like the smartest person ever, and I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, let's all get on the same page. Does this make sense? Are we there? Now, I, I want to be truthfully honest and transparent with you. I do these, all, all five of these things in every conversation about 1% of the time. <laughs> I, I, I would love to say, oh, yeah, and I've got this figured out, and I'm just telling you, I'm learning, man. I'm still growing. I screw it up all the time. And so you know, the magic word that I always say is, hey, forgive me because I'm, I'm stupid. So please forgive me if I you know, didn't come off right because this is what I kind of meant to say. I probably didn't say it the way I meant to, but that's what I kind of meant. Tough conversation. Can we be honest? But do it in grace. Do it with grace. I'm going to close with this scripture. Ephesians 4. I just want to read a little, little scripture to you. This is in the message version. He says, so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. But that's no life for you. That's no life for you. You learned Christ. And my assumption is that you have paid careful attention to Him been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. 
Since then, we, we don't have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces His character in you. And what this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. After all, when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for, for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of a foothold in your life. You know, some of us say, I just needed to vent. I just got to vent. I got to get it off my chest, and there, I've just vented, and I feel better. You know, venting has never helped anyone ever in the history of everything, <laughs> except maybe the person venting. They might feel a little better. All that that's done is <laughs> just cause wreckage and destruction in relationships. Just, well, I guess got to get things off my chest. Well, good for you, because you just made somebody else feel terrible. Don't use your anger as an excuse. Don't give the devil that kind of a foothold in your life. Let's be people who can have honest conversations, but do it full of grace and full of truth. Now, as you leave today, we're going to have some volunteers that will be out in the lobby to give you one of these, call them the car ride questions. And, and as always, i got a question in here that I, I want you to wait till you get in the car to ask it. And then everybody, everybody just kind of talk and have a dialogue. And my rule, as always, don't let it become a fight. Just let it be a discussion. Let it be something that's... Uh, just hopefully you learn a little bit more about each other. Let me pray for you. We'll be dismissed. Father, just thank you so much for these men and women here. Thank you for the opportunity that we can learn from each other and continue to grow and to become more like Jesus. I pray that you bless each of us, that you would help us as we leave here, not only to just think about this stuff today, but let it carry over into this week as we go to work and we're at home and we're at all of the places that we plan to be. Help us to be more honest, more loving, ultimately more like Jesus. And I ask all this in his name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.